Hey, we're in Luke chapter 14 today, and uh, I've had a number of you ask me, uh, are we ever going to finish Luke? Are we ever going to do anything else? And the answer, the short answer is yes, yes. And uh, I, I took some time this week and charted it out, and Lord willing, if all goes to plan, we will get to the passage in Luke 24 right on uh, Easter Sunday that talks about the resurrection. So there's a lot of variables between here and there. Depends on how well you listen. Um, just kidding. Uh, but we will uh, take some bigger bites and uh, hopefully finish the book of Luke in April and then probably go somewhere in the Old Testament next. Um, but I just wanted to let you know because some of you are getting uh, weary of Luke and I hear you, okay? So we're going to finish, I promise. Um, we've been in Luke, and we've been in a section about Jesus' teaching. And Jesus' teaching about, uh, specifically the last few weeks, salvation, the kingdom of God, um, and, and all of those kinds of issues. And today, Jesus is going to teach again, uh, this time in a smaller setting, at a, at a wedding feast. Uh, not a wedding feast, at a Sabbath kind of din dinner but, but all of the imagery today comes around the idea of feasts and banquets. And uh, I don't know about for you, but for me, some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life happen over a slow dinner table, right? Where you're not in a rush, you're just sitting, eating, getting the second piece of pie and continuing a conversation, right? Where there's no rush, no hurry. Uh, the other best conversations tend to happen around a campfire in my life, but, but that's not the context today, sadly. Um, today, Jesus is invited to a Sabbath meal, which was a, a slow meal full of tradition and meaning, and they were, they, they were having this conversation. And so let's read it together. Let's look at Luke 14, 1 through 24. This is one Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. The Pharisees were watching Jesus carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, 
Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we can gather in peace and we can gather um, each week, God, to hear your word, to uh, understand it, to see how it applies to our life individually, to see how it applies to us as a church. God, I thank you that we have been given the gift of hearing your word. God, I pray that as we um, study this, God, that we would see that the kingdom of God is for the humble. God, it's not for those who exalt themselves, who are full of themselves and, and proud of themselves. God, the kingdom of God is for the humble. Why? Because Jesus uh, humbled himself. And he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross so that we might be exalted. God, I pray that today, if there be any uh, exaltation of of me or myself or or in any of our lives, God, that you would humble us, God, that that we would be like King Jesus, who humbled himself. And so we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the first story, there's kind of three, uh, there's really four distinct stories Uh, But the context of this is this, that it's a Sabbath day. So Jesus probably has been at the the synagogue. He may have taught that day. He may not have. But he is invited to go back for this Sabbath meal at the ruler of the Pharisees is what it says. And we've we've seen two other of these stories previously in Luke. This is the third time that Jesus heals somebody on a Sabbath, which we know is very provocative to these Pharisees, right? And the point we saw last time is that Jesus came to set the captives free. He's not here to fulfill all the rules and legalism of the Pharisees. No, he came to set the captives free. And the point is is fairly similar today. 
So Jesus comes to this leader's house, and there's probably a bunch of uh, people there. There's, there's people having the meal. There's people watching the meal. Um, but Jesus is having this meal. And what it says in verse 1, it says that they were watching him. Right, this, this meal was this celebration of the Passover, this, this huge, uh, not, not all the elements of the Passover, but the same vein, same tradition. And this, this is meant to have their eyes focused on the meaning of the elements, uh, their relationship with God, um, the community they have. But their eyes are focused on who? On Jesus, not on what it's supposed to be focused on. And it says in verse 1, uh, verse 2, Behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Luke uses this all of a sudden. Behold, it's this dramatic term. Out of nowhere, there's a man standing before Jesus who had dropsy. Dropsy is this medical condition. Uh, we would, I had to look all this up, so don't, don't think that what I say is even true today when I talk about medical issues. But we would call it edema today, and it's a swelling of soft tissue, whatever that means, okay? So I'm, I'm pretty clueless when it comes to medical stuff. Uh, but they say today, many times the issue with this swelling is congestive heart failure, right? So his, maybe his legs are swollen to the point that he can't walk. Maybe it's his arms. Somebody's shaking their head. This feels good. Okay, all right. There we go. I got it. Um, but, but he's got this physical condition but really, the problem is not that he has too much fluid. The problem is what? His heart's not working right, right? And so Jesus sees the man's need. Everybody sees this man's need. And no doubt these Pharisees have heard about Jesus' other healings on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees don't ask a question, but Jesus asks them because he knows what they're thinking. And what does he say? He looks at them and he says, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, this is the third time. They know where this is going. They know what Jesus is about to do. And I think they're a little bit scared of answering this question. He's asking, hey, is it, is it lawful for me to help this guy? Is that okay with you guys? He's trying to get their permission. And what does it say? They remained silent. They did not want to give an answer. They did not want to say, yes, it is lawful for you to heal. Why? Because that wasn't what they believed. They didn't want to go against their word. They didn't want to go against their established tradition. But they didn't want to say, no, it's not lawful for you to help this man today. Why? Because you sound like a jerk, right? So they don't want to answer. They don't want to respond. And so they don't. They stay silent, shove it under the mat, and hope it goes away. But it doesn't go away. What does it say? Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. Jesus heals him anyway. He, he doesn't really care what their answer is. He doesn't really care what they think. He doesn't care what the social norm is, what the religious norm is, what, what their made-up rules are. Jesus looks at this man as one of his own, as we're going to see, as, and he says, he needs help. I can help. I'm going to help him. Now, surely, in this moment, it's a little bit awkward for these Pharisees, right? Because they want to just act like this is not happening. And so Jesus, again, speaks in their silence. That's a common a theme in this, this story. 
And he said to them, which, this is verse 5, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And Jesus makes the point. Every single one of you, if your son was in desperate need of help, you would help him no matter what it costs you on the Sabbath. doesn't matter. If you had a, a team of oxen that were in massive trouble, you don't go, well, it's not lawful for me to help. No, you would help. And Jesus is making this claim. This is one of mine. This is my son. This is one of the sons of God. He needs help. I'm going to help him. I'm not here to fulfill all your rules. And so he heals them. And it says, and they could not reply to these things. Silence was further silenced. They had nothing to say. They had no rebuttal. They had no legal argument. They simply were silenced to what Jesus was teaching and doing. And Jesus is showing us that he is coming for the humble, those that know their need for God. This man who has dropsy knows his need. It's evident in his limbs. It's evident in his body. It's evident in his heart. It's evident to everyone around him. And he comes to Jesus knowing, I have this need. He has humbled himself. And in their, their silence, as they sit there quietly after Jesus sends this man away, Jesus speaks again. Look at verse 7. He tells a parable. Um... And he tells a parable about something that would have been common and familiar to them, a wedding feast. Uh, their feasts and weddings were different than ours, not exactly the same. But you can picture a wedding feast, right? When you come to a wedding, there's even places of honor in, in, in a wedding, right? The mother or the bride is going to sit, and I don't know sides, right or left, but there's a certain side, and there's a place of honor, and there's a place, and then if you're just showing up to crash the wedding, you sit in the back, right, and try to blend in. Uh, but there's places of honor, and there's places of kind of dishonor, and it's no different, right? So, the Pharisees are watching Jesus at this meal, but Jesus is watching them too. And what does it say? It says, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, he spoke to them a parable. So Jesus is watching them, and he's noticing how they view things and how, how they, what they think is important and what they think is valuable. And he tells them a parable. He tells them a story to point out where their life doesn't match what the kingdom of God is like. And so he tells them this, verse 8. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Right? Jesus makes it very clear. When you show up to something like this, you should not immediately assume that you're the most important per person in the room. Anybody know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. That when they walk in a room, they just assume everyone should get out of the way for me, right? I'm here. Everyone should look at me, right? Only the bride should feel that way on a wedding day. And Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't assume that you're going to get to sit by the mother of the bride. That's silly. Because he says, he goes on, he says, uh, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. Most likely, you're not the most important person in the room, in any room that you're ever going to be in. So don't assume you are. Uh, don't assume that because someone more distinguished is going to show up. And what will happen to you? He tells them in verse 9. He who invites 
You both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. So it's a problem if you come and sit by the mother of the bride, but you're not part of the family, right? Because some usher is going to come and go, hey, brother, you don't belong here. You're not part of the family. I need to usher you back to the back. You're actually in the overflow room. And this would have been, maybe not for us as much, this would have been highly embarrassing, highly shameful to them to experience something like this. You thought you were the most important, but actually what you experienced was humiliation. You were humiliated because now you're at the bottom. He tells them, don't do that. Now he pivots to what you should do. Verse 10. He says, when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. So he tells them, assume you're not the most important when you walk in. Assume your seat's in the back somewhere. Your seat's on the side somewhere. Don't assume the, the, the most important. And what will likely happen is you're probably not the most unimportant person in the room either. <laughs> And he's going to come and he's going to say, hey, no, friend, you're, you're part of our family. Come, come sit closer. And what will happen then is because you assumed you were down here, you will be exalted and lifted up into a higher place. And instead of being humiliated in front of everybody, you will be uh, honored in front of everybody. Now, why this advice about where to sit at a wedding? Is, is that really what Jesus is concerned with today? Like, you need, to, you need this to live as a Christian. Here's how you go sit at a wedding. Is that what he's talking about? Not really. He's using that as an example to teach us a spiritual point. And he tells us what that spiritual point is in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Those who humble themselves, and maybe we can add a little bit to, to help clear this up. Those who humble themselves in this life will be exalted in the next. And those who exalt themselves in this life will be humbled in the next. Jesus is making the point, those who know that they need a Savior, like this man with dropsy, those who know their need, who have humbled themselves enough to come and stand before Jesus and say, I need you. Those who do that will be exalted. They're like those who chose the lower place and get brought up to a higher place. He says, but those who exalt themselves think they're the most important person in the room. They have no needs. They have their life together. Their life is beautiful and perfect and pristine. Those people who are like that will be humbled. There will come a day where the truth is revealed that you don't have it all together, that your life is not perfect, that, that, that you actually have fallen short, but you're unwilling to admit your need. And he says, you will be humbled. And so he's saying the kingdom of God is not for the proud. The kingdom of God is for the humble. Why humility over exaltation? Because Jesus is going to humbly, hum, humbly humble. Can, you, can I say that? He's going to humbly humble himself to the point of death on a cross. 
He was the most important person in the room, but he took the lowest place. Why? So that he could die death in our place. And then he could exalt us because of that. And at the end of all time, the one who humbled himself will be exalted. Philippians tells us that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the kingdom of God, Jesus is making the point. He's not giving wedding instructions. (laughs) He's talking about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is for the humble, those who know they have a need and are unafraid to admit it. The kingdom of God is not for the proud, the arrogant, the have-it-all-together Pharisees. And I think this parable gets to them because they don't speak. They don't say anything. There's still silence at this table. And so he continues on and he tells another one. Let's keep going. Verse 12. He tells another parable. And he talks to the man who, who invited them to this dinner. And he tells him some instructions about who to invite and who not to invite. And it, and it seems really striking at first because you're like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, we host a dinner to invite our friends to. This is what we do. So we can hang out, so we can have fun, enjoy, right? And Jesus tells him not to do that. And he's, he's, he's telling him, what does it say? Verse 12, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. This is a normal way to think. I'm inviting my friends, my relatives, my close brothers, and that random rich neighbor I have in hopes that maybe he'll come and bring me some gift. Right? We all think like this. Let's get the best people that I know together in a room. This seems logical. But verse 13, Jesus says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus tells him that instead of, of filling out your guest list with the most important people, he says, invite the least important people, the broken, the outsiders, or the crippled, the lame, the blind. This, this makes no sense. This is strange, Jesus. What are you talking about? We have to understand Jesus is not saying, don't go to lunch today with a friend. That's not, that's not the application point today of this at all. Jesus is not talking about who you should invite to your wedding. Invite your aunt, okay? Invite your cousin. It's okay. That's not what Jesus is saying, literally. What is he saying? He's saying the earthly kingdom is like this. We all want to compile people around us that are like us, that are, that are the most put together, that are, that are the ones we, we enjoy, all that sort of stuff. But he says the kingdom of God is different. It's not the privileged, it's not the put together that are on the invite list. Who's on the invite list? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. It's the outsiders. Earthly kingdoms are about clout and power and prestige. And Jesus is saying, not so in my kingdom. My kingdom is about humility. It's about including the excluded. It's about exalting the humble. It's about welcoming in the stranger. It's about adopting the orphan. This is the gospel for everyone. 
This is the good news for everyone. And this is Luke's point. This is Jesus' point that the kingdom of God is not about our earthly kingdoms and power and rule and position and all that sort of stuff. The kingdom of God is for the humble, not for those who have it all together. Look at verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This man speaks up and he says this phrase, and apparently it's kind of like a a common phrase. But what he's trying to do is this moment feels really awkward. And he's trying to just move on. He's trying to end that and move on back to whatever they were discussing. But Jesus won't let it happen. And he tells another story. Look at verse 16. He tells the story of a great banquet. And he tells him of a master who planned this banquet and he invited all the most important people and he had this whole guest list of people, friends, family, and they were going to come together and celebrate something. And so he makes all these arrangements. He doesn't send out invitations. What they would do is they'd send out a herald. They would send out somebody who would go and say, hey, everything's ready. Come to the banquet. And when the herald goes out, the one proclaiming the good news, <laughs> that, that everything is ready, everything is prepared, come and enjoy and fellowship and dine. What happens? We're not going to read all of them, but 18 through 20, they all have what? An excuse. They all have a reason why they can't come right now. They, can't, they don't want to come or they can't come. And I don't know how many of them are legitimate excuses, how many of them are made-up excuses. Some of them might be kind of legitimate. Some of them may not be as legitimate. But either way, all the guest list goes, you know what? I'm kind of tied up right now. I don't really want to go to this. I can't be there. And so the servant comes back. And he tells the master what happened. Hey, I know you did all this work. I know you got all this food. I know you've been excited about this. Uh, I got some bad news. No one's coming. And it says here that the master became angry. As would be expected, this master is infuriated. Right? I did all this for you, and now you're saying, no, I can't come. So he... Instead of just throwing away all the food, he pivots and he makes another plan. And he tells his servant to go out. And this time, instead of heralding it to the invited guests, the privileged, uh, the put together, he says, go out and invite, and what does he say? The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. It's the same ones from the previous parable. So we know these are connected. He says, go out to those people because I know they got nothing going on. They're not invited to some other banquet and have some excuse. They haven't just married. They haven't dealt with the new team of oxen. They got nothing else. They know that they have a need. Go out and invite them. And so he does. And it says that the servant did this. When he came back and there was still room. He didn't didn't fill up the house. He didn't fill out the guest list with the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blame. The lame. And so the master says, look at verse 23. He says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. 
He says, go out again. Tell anybody who will listen, whether they're privileged or whether they're poor. He says, I don't really care. I just want my house filled up. I want everyone, as many as can come in, to come in and celebrate and dine because that brings him great joy. He says, go out, compel them, convince them. It's the sense of like, do whatever it takes to bring them in. And it says that many of them came. And he says in verse 24, and this is the point. This is the point at this Sabbath lunch. He says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus is saying that those who were invited first are now last. And those who were invited last are now first. And that language is the same language he's used before. That there are some who are first who will be last. And there's some who are last who will be first. What is this? It's the reversal. It's the change. It's the, it's the, the, the kingdom of God is not about including the religious, the put together, the well-connected, those with means. No, the kingdom of God is extended to anyone. It's a narrow door, but it's available for everyone. The kingdom of God is available for anyone. Anyone humble enough to admit, I need that. I have a need, and I'm coming to you. And those who were included are now excluded because those who were excluded are now included. Jesus is making a point that he came as the, as the God of the people of Israel. And no matter what he did to show them love, no matter what he did to draw them into relationship with him, they have rejected him over and over and over again. They have excuse after excuse after excuse and so God, in his will, turns to those who were excluded, the Gentiles, those who were on the outside. And yeah, we get put in this category of poor, crippled, lame, and, blind, lame and blind. The Jews, the religious, are being rejected. And the humble are being brought in. This is the good news for everyone. Now, I think, man, and I'm out of time. I think this applies in a few different ways, right? One, seeing the truth that God's heart is for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter how put together or poor you are, the, the gospel news, the good news is the same for every single one of us, that Jesus died in our place to welcome us in, to come and dine at his table, to be a part of his family. It's an invitation open to anyone. No matter what you've done, no matter how jacked up you think you are, God's heart is to see that every single one of us would be saved. That is God's heart. That is the kingdom of God. And all it takes is a simple moment of humbling yourself. It takes a simple moment of humbling yourself and saying, I know I need you. I know I'm not good enough. I know I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. I mean, I think that's one way it applies. I think this applies in, in so many other ways, not in how to invite people to your wedding or where to sit at a wedding, but it does apply to how we view outsiders, how we view everyone else. 
Is our attitude towards people like Jesus or is it like the world? Do we think, no, y'all are, y'all are different than us. No, you're, you're a little too messed up. No, you're a little too broken. No, you got too much stuff in your past. I'm not sure God really wants you in his family. Is that our attitude towards people? Because that's not part of the kingdom of God attitude. The kingdom of God attitude is what? Man, I don't care what you I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you've been through. God loves you, and he wants to restore you and bring you into his family. I think this also applies in our attitude towards ourselves. Because we're either like the man with dropsy or we're like the Pharisees. That's the picture painted here. We're either like the man who, who with dropsy that, that knows, I got no other hope besides you, Jesus. I got a need and only you can meet it. And that man was willing to humble himself and step into a formal dinner space and go, hey, can you help? <laughs> this man humbled himself. Is that our attitude? Or is our, is our attitude towards ourselves that we're like the Pharisees? That we do, we do all this stuff for you, God. We, we, we give and we come and we serve and, we, and, and I'm, I'm kind of that, that co-worker and I, and I do all this stuff, God, like I deserve this. I belong here. I have earned my place in your family. And Jesus makes it very clear today that that attitude has no place in the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is for the humble, not the proud. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the truth that that those who humble themselves will be exalted because Jesus humbled himself and will be exalted. And those of us who are in Christ, though we may not be anything beautiful, pretty, perfect, put together in, in this life, Though we may not have the place of honor, though we may not have the distinguished whatever, God, in this life, God, that, that because we are in Christ, God, you will one day exalt us. And we'll get to be a part of your family. That you loved outsiders like us. And you brought them in to be a part of your family, God. We thank you for that good news today. I pray that if there's anyone in here who does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, today would be the day of salvation. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.